Hey, everybody, this is Chuck Everson from Villanova University, and welcome to the Big East Rewind. The Big East Rewind came about when Sonny Sparrow and I from Syracuse University were on a recruiting trip and became friends, and we've been friends ever since. And we had a bond that has developed over playing in the very tough Big East Conference. The Big East Rewind is all about Big East basketball, old school style with the battles and stories that came about during our time playing in the Big East. From the perspective of the media, coaches, former players, and even officials. So we hope you enjoy the Big East Rewind. Welcome to the Big East Rewind. You're going to have a great episode with us today, so join us, sit down, relax. Bernie Fine, Syracuse legendary assistant coach, and great recruiter and great developer of talent of the big men. Bernie's going to fill us in on some of his experiences going to Syracuse from Brooklyn, staying on, teaching, how he got back to the hill, coaching, and all the relationships that he's developed to this day and the many, many, many philanthropy attributes that he has done at Syracuse and still to this day is happening in his name. And the reason our alumni are tight is because of Bernie Fine. You do not want to miss this. Stay tuned. Sit down. Enjoy. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to this edition of the Big East Rewind. My name is Chuck Everson. I'm your host from Villanova University. And my good friend, my point guard, my main man, number 23 from Syracuse University, Sonny Sparra. How are you today, Sonny? Chuck, doing great. As you know, we have a good, good friend of mine and a special guest that we reached out to him and it was about two seconds. Sure, I'll do this. You know, so yeah, pretty excited. You know what? I mean, Sonny, every team has got that glue guy. You know what I mean? Like the guy that keeps everybody together. Sometimes it's a player. You know, I feel I play that role after I got out of school with my with my teammates. And sometimes it's an assistant coach or it's somebody, or it could be a manager, it could be anybody but that keeps everything, co uh, you know, all together. And he's, he's the glue. So I know this guy uh, has been the glue for the Syracuse University basketball program for a long, long time, a lot of years. So why don't you uh, have the honors and, and introduce Coach? Okay, well, um, let's start with, this is the guy that recruited me at Syracuse. Um, this is the assistant coach with coach Beheim for 35 plus years. He was a manager on the team when Dave Bing and coach B were there. He is a Henniger high school coach, I believe as well. Um, and he is responsible. A lot of the, the big guys at Syracuse are responsible or his response ability because he helped to train and develop them. And like you mentioned, Chuck, Bernie is more than the glue. Bernie was the heart and soul and heartbeat of our whole program. So if I ever need to reach out to somebody and I can't, I can call Bernie. He'll have a contact. And uh, I'll just give you one quick example. Red Bruin had his hip replaced. First call he got, Bernie Fine in the hospital. In the hospital. So with that, let's welcome our good friend, Bernie. Bernie Fine, how are you? Good. Good to hey, be coach. with you guys. Yeah, it's good to see you. I mean, it's been, it's been a while, Coach. Probably, I think... The last time we had a real conversation was, gosh, I don't even want to say how many years ago, right? It's been a long time. Good to see you. Chuck, did you take all the memorabilia from Villanova and put it <laughs> in the house? <laughs> That's good. 
You know, Sonny probably hipped you to that because he's hysterical now. No, this is this is not all Villanova stuff, by the way. It's uh, <laughs> there's three championship teams worth of stuff. I didn't say a word. I, didn't say a word. <laughs> I was just it's looking so around. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, you know what? It's funny. Sonny and I go back and forth, as you know. You know, as we talked prior to, we we've been friends for a long time. We stayed in touch uh, a very long time. You know, and uh, you know, he he breaks my chops about the background all the time, and um, you know, so he said that he needed a candle to get his uh, to get his uh, shrine, he called it, uh, set up. So I sent him a Saint Sonny candle, which was pretty pretty funny with the. Uh, a picture like one of those uh, Catholic candles that you would light in church or something that big with Sonny's face on it as a saint. So he's got that as a starter kit. So. Yeah, we're, we're, at, we're at the Villanova altar of Chuck. Okay. So <laughs> not an altar. That's, you know, <laughs> so they, they even had just some Georgetown guys in here too, Sonny, you know that. So, Oh no. So, so, <laughs> so okay. So coach t- talk to us about starting out, and, and, you know, how did you get to Syracuse? I understand from a very good source that you had a letter of recommendation from your high school coach to go be the manager at Syracuse. Is that accurate? Well, I don't know if he sent the letter. I, I met the people that were doing it when I went up there and I talked to them and it just worked out. Yeah. So, so you come on, you come on now. Is that, you grew up in the Syracuse area, right? No, Brooklyn. In Brooklyn. Okay. So how did you, how did you wind up going? How'd you wind up picking Syracuse? I applied to Temple, Boston University, Syracuse and CCNY. And I got into all of them and I decided to go to Syracuse. Good pick. Was Good you, did you always have aspirations of being a coach down the road? No, I didn't really think of it at the time when I went there. No, I thought about getting into business. Yeah. Good business school at Syracuse. And What's your background from school, Bernd? What were you doing at Brooklyn High School? Were you were you in in basketball? Were you yeah, co- were you I playing? Played some football and basketball when I was younger. Okay. And then I coached football and basketball at Henniger too. Yeah, I remember you coached basketball at Henniger. Yep. Yep. So so now you come on board and and did you start out as the manager right from day one? How did that work? Yeah, but not not in the varsity. They had, you know, usually it's seniority, so there was seniors, and then juniors, and so on. So you worked your way up. And in my class, it was me, Steve, and uh, Mark Rosenholz for the three of us. Yeah. And then I became I became the head manager my junior year. Is Ron Cohn, who was going to be the head manager, decided he didn't want to do it. Okay. Were the were the responsibilities the same, Bernie, or did were they different back in that time? It was a lot different. Coach Lewis believed in exogenies. So we carried these exogenies, which was in a, a strength paraphernalia that we carried on the road. And just one manager went. Now they have three, four, five managers going. So it was me. And we also carried a 16-millimeter projector and about 20 reels of film. And we also brought basketballs whenever we went to. That's how I didn't have to lift them. I just carried this nonsense all over the place. So it helped me with my strength. But it was ridiculous how much gear we had. And I was carrying all of it. What, it, it tell everybody what an exergenie is. What was that? What, what is that? What would you, how would you compare that? What would you say that is? 
It's a great machine. It's a combination of isometrics and isotonics. And you're pulling a rope, but you can adjust the weight on the rope from almost nothing to being able to stop a car. Really? So we wow. worked out time when we worked out on the road with them. They weren't heavy machines, but when you carry a lot of them, it's a pain in the neck. Coach yeah. Lewis was writing his doctorate on the exogeny. Oh, now, did you travel by bus mostly, Bernard, or are you guys flying? Yes. Yeah. A lot of bus trips. Yeah. That makes it a little harder. That's a lot, a lot longer travel. Well, you didn't travel that far. You know, we played Penn State and Bonaventure and Cornell and Colgate and any long trip, but uh, we didn't fly a whole lot. Okay. Holy Cross, were they on the schedule too? Were they part of I that? Believe, I believe we played. I don't remember if we played them those four years. They played Syracuse in the past. But I don't remember that far back. St. Francis in the city probably played them, right? Yeah, and St. Francis in uh, Pennsylvania also. Okay. Because right, I remember seeing that picture in the varsity of Rosie Duncan over St. Francis, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> it's always about food, Bern. <laughs> <laughs> well, nothing wrong with that, Sonny. Yeah. <laughs> now, mouse for that. So, so you, so, so you graduate from Syracuse. What did you do when you first graduated? <coughs> I went right into the reserves. Really? When I was waiting around, you, know, you really couldn't get a job because I wasn't sure when I was going to go away. So I uh, volunteered at the Lincoln Junior High uh, coaching football. Okay. I coached there. And then when I came back, I coached there again, football and then basketball. And the teams did well. And then I moved on to Henniger. Okay. So you definitely, but you stayed right there at Syracuse, right from graduation on. Correct. That's interesting. That's not that common, right? No, people try to get out of Syracuse, but uh, I stayed. <laughs> you and well, Coach you B seem to be the long, the long timers there. Well, I was tired of living in New York City and you get home at night and you drive around for about a half hour to try and find a parking space four blocks from your house and then hope that your car is there in the morning when you go out to get it. Yeah. So, so you came off, so you, you, you were at Hillinger for a little while and then how did you get uh, hooked up again with the basketball program? My teams did fairly well at, at Henniger. We did fairly well. And I had known Jim because we went to college together. So he, uh, probably the best movie ever made, he hired me. Hello. Okay. <laughs> now, before we get into the coaching stuff, I do have, a, I do have another question about when you, in, during your time as a manager. You, uh, you were a part of some really good teams and some great players, maybe the greatest player ever to put on a Syracuse uniform, right? With uh, Dave Bing was there at that time. No question. No question. Yeah, he, he might epitomize, you know, the whole the whole program. Talk about it was like to see him every day and how his work ethic and how he uh, he went about his business every day on the court. Great athlete, very, very serious, you know, worked hard and just a great guy. We were fraternity brothers. We were in the same fraternity. Okay. So they were close and we still remain very close. I speak to him all the time now. He and his wife come down and stay with me occasionally. Oh, nice. Okay. Yeah, it must have been fun watching him play. And and the other thing I, I'm curious about, because I've seen some of the photos, uh, what kind of player was Coach Behan back then? He was a very smart player. Wasn't a great athlete, but he can shoot it. And he was very smart. He understood the game. And, you know, his man would always go double Dave 
So Coach Bayham was always open. <laughs> okay. Well, yeah, but you still had to knock him down, right, in order to stay yeah, on the floor. He, he was a good shooter, and as I said, he was a smart player. Very good. And I was told, uh, tell me about the California trip that you got. You guys took a California trip, and then you made a side trip to Mexico? <laughs> you know, we went to visit Tijuana to see what it was like. It was an exciting trip. We had tickets to the Rose Bowl, too. I think we, oh, took, really? the, we took the trip down south instead. So who, played, who did that with you? Who was, who was part of that? Most of the team. Coach okay. Mayheim even went to the basketball game, the football game. We all went to Mexico. Okay. We played, it was UCLA, Vanderbilt, Syracuse. I forgot the fourth team. And Clyde Lee played for Vanderbilt. And UCLA had a really good team. And Dave had a great tournament and was the MVP. Yeah, he's... I'm t and he's he's one of the top 50 players of all time, right? He's been named to all the lists, uh, I believe. All the things, right? yep. Yeah, yeah, he was he was terrific. Detroit Pistons, right? And deservedly so. Oh, was yeah. Because when he when we graduated, well, he graduated, you know, New York really wanted Dave, but they had taken uh, Daryl Imhoff instead of Jerry West. So Cassie Russell was the player of the year, and Detroit right. would have had Cassie because he was from Michigan. Right. The Knicks had the first pick, so they took Cassie, and then Dave was the second pick, so he wound up in Detroit. And Cassie signed, I think, a two hundred thousand dollar contract, and they gave Dave a two year deal for thirty three thousand sixteen five a year, and they said, "Take it or leave us." Wow. Guys paid back then when they were, and when we went to the tournament, there were only sixteen teams in the NCAA tournament. You know what's funny is, you know, you, you talk about being in a small world and six degrees to separate. I played in the CBA for Cassie Russell and uh, he could still shoot it. He was taking guys meal money all day long at practice. I know that because uh, I was, he left my pockets a little empty too, shooting the ball with him. He sucked me into his, uh, his shooting games. Chuck, I, I, I got to point out to let's look at Bernie's <laughs> recollection, right? He said, Dave Bing made $33,600 a year. Oh, just 33,000. Well, that was what, what, what year is that, Bernie? That's got to be right in like 60, 66. 66. Yeah. He was the number two pick and they gave him a two year deal, not 33 a year, a total of 33,000. And they said, take it or leave it. And Cassie got a great deal from the Knicks. That's wow. And then he, ha he had to work a side job when he was, when he was, when he was done playing for the summer, right? He had to. He, he didn't have to, but he always did. He worked in a bank and then he worked for a steel company and he was trying to broaden his horizons because he knew when he got out of school, he was going to go into business. And he did. He had a very successful, he worked for a bank for a while. And then he had a very successful steel company, Bing Steel. He was the top minority business in the oh, United wow. States. And then he was the mayor of, of Detroit too, right? He was the mayor. Yeah. Right. He was the mayor. Mayor of Detroit. And now yeah. he's the foundation Dave's always given back no matter what he's done. And he has a foundation now. He's got businessmen and they kind of take on 150, got 150 businessmen and they take on 150 inner city kids in Detroit that are teeter-tottering between making it and going off the deep end. And each wow. guy takes one kid on and they take them right through college. And they've been extremely successful and they have a great program out there. Kind of like a big brothers type of thing, Byrne? Yeah, but even more so, they really get into it to make sure they're doing their schoolwork and doing what they're supposed to be doing and helping them with college. So it's a, it's a great situation. He's a, 
probably most of these kids would never make it to college if it wasn't for this program. Wow. That's pretty cool. So, Burn, so what year did you start at Syracuse? What was the beginning of your coaching at Syracuse? 63. 63. Okay. And you were, and it was what, you and Rick Patino were the two assistant coaches there? Oh, no. I started, that was in 76. I coached. Coaching, yeah. yeah. Rick and I. Right. So it was Coach B, you, Rick. Was there anybody else? Any other no. assistants, grad assistants? I think Mark Meadows was a grad assistant. I think they had a JV team back then, too. Now, what, what was that dynamic like for you, Bernie, working with two future Hall of Famers, right? With Coach Patino and, uh, and J- Coach oh, B. Great. I taught him everything I knew, and look what happened. <laughs> that was what I. <laughs> that's the 100% the answer I was looking for. I threw that lob to you like Sherman Douglas. Yeah, I was wide <laughs> open, baby. <laughs> Making me look good. I could have made that shot. <laughs> I will so, say, on my behalf, we split the team up and we used to have exhibitions at high schools as fundraisers when it was legal to do. Yes. And two years that Rick was there, uh, we had six ex- exhibitions and I don't want to brag, but my record was six and oh, and he always, I always let him pick the team that he wanted first. Wow. That's pretty good. Now, no refs. Oh, they oh, had no, refs. They played as a game. They played as a regular game. Oh, they played as a regular game. Nice. Yeah, we played that when I was there. Yeah. Oh, you did? Okay. Mm-hmm. So so talk about some of the teams that you were part of now as a coach, Bernie. Like, were you, were you, did you start out working with the big guys when you got there? Or was it, you know, did that was a role that you grew into once like the John Wallace's and those guys got into uh, Ronnie and, and, uh, we, and DC? What we do is the three coaches, one takes the centers, one takes the forwards, and one takes the guards. Okay. And I pretty much wound up with the centers. So it was good. You know, it, uh, we had really good guys. They were very fortunate to have a lot of really good players. Who were some of the first recruits? Wasn't Danny Shays one of your first guys? Danny Shays was probably my first recruit because when I came in, Rosie Lewis, Hal Cohn, and Cliff Warwell were, was the class. The next right. class, Chris Jerepko, Danny Shays, Marty, Bur- uh, Marty Head. Head. Yeah, yep. And it was strange because I, I knew Dolphin. I was close with Dolphin. I knew Danny since he was a little kid. And now I'm recruiting the hell out of Danny. And Dolph's saying, Danny, go to any school you want except Syracuse. I said, they find Roosevelt Bowie, you're not going to play there. Yeah. Well, listen, was it your idea or was it uh, Patino's idea to send Danny to dance class? to get? Oh, was, we had was, Danny on the show and he talked about what he got straight A's in tap dance, you know. It wasn't tap dancing. It was definitely me, and it was ballet. What was it? It was ballet. It wasn't oh, tap I, see, I wish I would have known that when we spoke to him because we asked him if he had his tap shoes with him that he could, you know, come on. But I would have rather seen him in a tutu, Bernie, than his tap shoes. Hey, maybe I could send you a picture of Danny in his tutu. Oh, that would be fantastic, you know, this because... Is, this is something I did in high school. I had some of my high school kids. And I made them take ballet class. They weren't really happy, but I thought it was great for their balance and their coordination. And then I had Danny do it, and I think it really helped them. Well, Bernie, I'm, truth I'm, be told, I'm, hang on a second, Sonny. Truth be told, Coach, I, you know I don't admit this very often, okay? But I'm going to tell you now. My father had some ballet teacher come out once or twice a week. I had two brothers that were as big as me and we're in the backyard doing plies and releves in the backyard. Thank God it was fenced in 
and there's no video and there's nobody that knew that that was going on behind the walls of the Everson compound in Brentwood. You know, thank goodness for that. You know, now the cat's out of the bag, but it's okay. You know, I remember having dinner at your house when Coach <laughs> I came down to recruit you. Yeah. Did you yeah, have, so did you, you have remember how big my dad was? <laughs> yeah. And your brother was pretty big. There was a big family. Yeah. 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 Yep. Did, yep. Did they make you any zippy beef? No. 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 Mother was a very good cook. <laughs> Food was excellent. But I kept Thank telling him, you. you better let them take as much as they want first. They're pretty big. You know, it's funny because I was telling Sonny, we went on, when I came down there on my visit, uh, we, my dad had a big green van and it was like a clown car for seven footers. Every time we opened the door, another seven footer walked out, another seven footer walked out. So between my brothers and myself and my father, we all, we walk into the, uh, place for lunch and, uh, Coach B said we broke the whole Syracuse budget on lunch in one meal because <laughs> my whole family was there with me. Oh, I remember when you guys came up. It was nice. You had a really nice family, and it was great. Oh, thank you. It was a lot of fun. So so talk about some of the guys that you – who were some of the guys that you liked uh, working oh, with? On, I, know, I know it's like having – okay, go hold ahead, Sonny. I'm sorry. In that first – in that class that he just mentioned – yeah. Danny Shays, Jamesville DeWitt, Marty Head, CBA. Those are two Syracuse local kids. Yep. And Chris Jerebko, Buffalo. Chris is from Buffalo, right? He was upstate. Now, did you guys – was there any, like, expectations, hey, we're going to take this bigger, that we need to recruit bigger? Did you? Because I know you got a little hard time when you signed me. <laughs> did, did that come out then or no? Well, what happened was we were recruiting basically – we recruited <laughs> New York, New Jersey, Pennsylvania – Connecticut. <coughs> I started going, I was the one who started going all over the country recruiting. Persistent mm -hmm. usually stayed fairly local and I was going to Texas and Florida and California as, as we expanded. And, you know, because of Dave Gabbett and the big East, we were on TV all the time. So we had great recognition and we were able to get out and recruit. And then the carrier dome was a great place to play. Not to knock oh, yeah. you, not to knock you at Villanova, Chuck. But in all the years I was at Syracuse, we never played a game on the Villanova campus. Is that right? I know we played you my four years. I think we played at the Palestra most of the time, yeah. right? Never, never played a game on campus. Even yeah. when you built a new place, we never played there. Oh, really? Wow. Yeah, the new I place. I remember the nice. Palestra, as we know. Yeah. But we, you know what? I, I, Sonny and I go back and forth about this. In his four years, he's never won at the Palestra. And in my four years, I've never won at the Dome. No, and it was always, it was like, oh, we got to go there again. That was the, for us, that was the, that was the tough place to play for us, you know. Plus, you had a guy named Pearl Washington that loved to beat the heck out of us, you know. That didn't, that didn't help either for us. Bernie, I'm going to ask you a couple questions now. So you, 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 you are recruiting now what, between you and Rick Patino, and Rick went pretty quick, right? And then Brendan came in. Rick was there for two years, and then he left. Two years. Okay. Did you guys have assignments in terms of break up the, you know, break up your recruiting areas or was it just, you, you met a kid, you knew a kid and how did you get to know some of these kids? Did you do the camp circuit, like five-star and that kind of stuff? Well, you went out on the road and you got names and addresses and you called kids and introduced yourself and then you went to see them play. And I was on the road a lot. Yep. A lot of miles. I know that much. So I will talk about I will talk about one fun thing. Now, when I came on my recruiting visit, 
I spent some time and, and I and you hosted me and I stayed at your house. Let's talk about the amount of pizza that you provided for guys that stayed at your house. And do, do you have any re- recollection of the number of pieces that I ate when I was there? I have no idea, but there was always a lot of pizza. Mouse. There was a place on Burnett Avenue that sold these pizzas and I'd buy them and I'd freeze them because there was always some in my house looking to eat. And Bernie had in his kitchen a full-size freezer. And I'll never forget it. And I was like, he goes, yeah, eat whatever you want. And I look in the freezer and he had, the, there were these brown cardboard boxes that had this frozen pizza. And it was a, like a Sicilian. It was, the, it was a square pot. Bill's and I was baked. like, right? And Bill's a lot of them were sausage. Huh? Bill's Bakery on Burnett Avenue. Oh my God. I was like, really? And just keep eating? So I take them out. I threw them in his little toaster oven. Boom. Hot pizza, hot pizza. And I was like, that tasted pretty good. Two more slices. <laughs> we're going to dinner. So that's all right. <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah. I mean, and when you're going into college, you, you, t- you eat whatever you can, Sonny. That's the whole thing. Know. You know? It wasn't, wasn't like we had NIL back then where you yes. and I, where you and I in our careers, we could have cleaned up you and me, Sonny. Especially when Sonny came up, Chuck, because he came in, he was like six, five, 135 pounds. Yeah, I, know. <laughs> I know we've seen the We've seen the photos coach. I know, you know, didn't know that he was a baseball pitcher, too. He, he was built kind of like a baseball pitcher back then. No, but I remember playing baseball in high school. Yeah. So talk about some of the guys, you know, some of the guys that you uh, went through with. You, you went through um, Louie and Bowie, right? You were there for all of that, right? We what was that like with those two guys? They were, I mean, they were great players. They worked hard. They had great attitudes. We had, we were a, we had a ridiculous record. We won a hundred games the first the four years that they were there. Wow. And we did had you pretty- recruit? Did you recruit Shaq too? Dale Shackelford? No, Dale was there before me. Okay. Actually, Dale lives right near me here. I see him all the time. And he and uh, I, his name is played at Potsdam with him. Uh, Eddie Jacob. They have a podcast from down yep. here. I did a podcast a couple of times. Yep. Salt and pepper. Yep. Yep. That's pretty good. So talk about, talk about some of the guys that you, uh, that you, you know, again, we'll, I'll, I'll, I'll rattle off some guys. Tell me, tell me your best memories of some of these guys. That you, how about Leo? <laughs> well, Leo was a difficult recruit. <laughs> I recruited Leo. I was up there a lot and he committed and then he went and signed with uh, Minnesota. Yeah. And then he, Soon as he got to, as soon as he got to Minnesota, he called me right away and said, "I hate it here. Uh, I want to come to Circus." I said, "It was too late. You're at Minnesota." And I said, "I really can't talk to you. You know, you're going to finish out the year. Do your best, and at the end of the year, you have to get a release before I can talk to you at all." So then he got his release, came down and committed to us. And I said, "Leo, what are you doing next week? I'll come up to Toronto and we'll we'll hang out." Well, no, I, I can't. I got to do something. And he promised Stu Aberdeen, who was the head coach at Marshall, that he would go visit Marshall. I said, you committed here. Why are you going down there? Well, Stu is Canadian. And, you know, it would help his recruiting. I told him I would come down. So I said, you're making a mistake. So he went and he came back and he, I called him, see how everything went. And as soon as I called him, I knew he was going to Marshall. I didn't know this. So he committed to Marshall. 
So I said, that's the second time you've done this to me. Yeah. Now, I was in Denver. I was recruiting out west, and I was in Denver. We didn't have cell phones. And I get, I hear that Stu Aberdeen was jogging on the beach, had a heart attack, and passed away. So Ooh. I those house, wow. and he was an Olympic team. They were playing in the Olympic Games. So the mother said, well, you know, we'll, when he gets back, we'll have, you, we'll have him call you. So he came back, and we talked. So he committed again. And I said, no offense, you have a scholarship and I'll have the paperwork here. When I see you, you'll sign it, then I'll know you're coming because you know you jerked me around twice. I'm wow. not gonna let you do it again. But he did finally show up and had a great career. And, and then his kid wound up playing there too. I mean and yep, Andy uh and Andy was a pretty good player also. Yep, he's still playing in Greece. He played in Greece this year. That's great, you know, but Third choice, man. I, I mean, you know, it, it, it's so funny because I've heard a lot of stories from Coach Mass and, and Coach Bonaguro and, and, and Marty Marbach and some of the guys at Nova uh, about the recruiting, you know, and how it crazy it gets back in the day. Because, like you say, every you had to go all over the place. You were like a road warrior, right? You Miles on your car, flights, all that kind of stuff, right? What were some well, of the crazier stories that you came across? I didn't drive to California. I did fly well, out there. Oh, yeah, well. Anything in the <laughs> yeah. But I have, I have a great Mitch Bonagora story for you since we're talking about it. Okay. Mitch is the head coach at Fairfield, and we're at the, uh, the tournament in July in Vegas. And Mitch loved Don Rickles. And he tried to get a ticket to the show, and it was sold out. So he asked Tark. He said, Jerry, could you do me a favor? And Jerry was a great guy. Yeah, what do you need, Mitch? I love Don Rickles. You think he'd give me a ticket? I'll pay whatever it is, but I want to see him. So Jerry gets him a ticket and he goes to the show that night and Don Rickles comes out and he's telling a few jokes and he goes, hey, where's Mitch Bonagora? <laughs> and Mitch is sitting there and he's trying not to say anything and Don Rickles wouldn't leave it alone. Oh. He kept asking and is panning the audience. So finally Mitch raises his hand. He brings Mitch up on stage and kills him from his head to his sneakers. Wow. Well, this is good information. I can't tell you your timing is impeccable because we have a big get together coming up in about a week and I'm going to see Mitch and I'm going to ask him about Don Rickles when I see him. That's great. You know, tell him I said hello and that's a true story. <laughs> it, Bernie, awesome. I, I know we talked to like the, like Dan, Dan Gavitt and some of the other folks that have been involved with the big East, uh, Mike Trangizi and stuff. And, they used to do a lot of get-togethers. Did they do anything with the assistant coaches as well? What were some of the things they did do? We did have one where they got all the head coaches and the assistants together. And they had a meeting and we had some meetings. That was the only year they did it with the assistants. The head coaches always had meetings every year. <laughs> and they always had it to some great resort. So they'd meet for 20 minutes and play golf and eat and fool around on the school's dime for four days so they, they did they didn't have like luncheons where you guys had to mingle in certain guys or anything like that no just a one year distance together what are some of your memories of some of the coaches that you kind of came up against well it was tough you know sometimes you hear some schools you know i'd say what schools are you thinking about and they'd mention a specific school and i knew we had no chance so i'd say look you got a scholarship to syracuse you have my number, you call me, but I'm not, I'm not calling you anymore. 
because uh, you're going to go there. Recruiting is tougher now with the NIL. I mean, I'm glad I'm not recruiting now with the NIL. And it's like, let's make a deal now. I heard a rumor. I heard a rumor that a quarterback got $10 million to go to a school this year. Wow. Yeah. I heard a linebacker, three and a half million. I know supposedly the quarterback at uh, Alabama last year before he ever, you know, played a play had gotten a million dollars in NIL. It's legal, but it's crazy how they're doing it. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of the wild West, you know, it's funny because I know of a player uh, in the sec that, that got paid a lot of money and he, and he got, got drafted in mid rounds and is going to be making less in the NFL than he made in college his senior year. So cool. I spoke spoke to a big coach at the final four. I go to the final four every year and I spoke to a coach and he was recruiting two kids and he thought he had a shot and they both wound up getting 600,000 each. So they went to the other school. Do you think there's anything to like, you know, an area like Syracuse, like let's look at, you know, because we have Villanova and Syracuse represented today. Right. Let's, so let's use those two as an example, hypothetical. Okay. In Philadelphia, they have all the major sports teams in the Syracuse area. They really don't have that. You guys, your athletes, you know, whether it be football or basketball, you guys are the pros in that area. Do you think in that case, a school like Syracuse or some of these teams down in the South where there's really no pro teams, do you think they have an advantage in the NIL stuff versus teams in major cities that have, you know, four different teams like in New York or, or Philadelphia? Well, it depends on the people with the money. You know, you have more people in Philly with money that can sponsor kids through the NIL than you would in Syracuse or in, uh, you know, some smaller communities. Right. So tough. You just need one, one wealthy person. But what's going on now? It's crazy for the money that they're passing around. Yeah. I, worked, always... I worked out some kids last year that were supposed to be seniors in high school this year, and they went to that overtime league and got, you know, an awful lot of money to skip high and skip that senior year and play in the overtime league. They got big bucks to do that. Wow. Bernie, you always had your, your finger in like the business world too, right? What are some of the things? I know you did insurance and I know you, you had a sporting. What were some of the things that you had going on as well? I've sold insurance for 40 years. I still do. Mm-hmm. I still sell insurance. I'm doing that now. Uh, you know, part-time on my own, my own time. Yeah, that's fine. But you had a sporting goods store, right? I opened up a sporting goods store. It wasn't real successful. Gary Barnabas and I was the lady athlete. We were trying to cater to women. We were before your time. <laughs> we were. You know? So but we, that didn't go that well. Yeah. So, yeah. So, but you've always, you've always been in, you've been in insurance for 40 years, you said, right? Yes. When, when did you get your license, insurance license? Before I started coaching in Syracuse. I was selling insurance before I went to Syracuse. So I, I kept it up. And when I went to supplement the income, because Syracuse was never known for overpaying coaches. Except the head. <laughs> yeah. Overpaying or paying appropriately. <laughs> yeah. So let, let me ask you this coach, you know, everybody that we've had on, you know, we've had numerous guys uh, from that yeah. you've coached. Okay. They all talk about the relationship that they had with you specifically. Tell us about, 
how you build those relationships, how do you gain trust with these superstar athletes that you did? And how important is that to the makeup of the team? I mean, is that something like, you know, are you the, are you the good cop in that situation? Or is this something like, um, you know, you did that just to, you know, you know, maintain balance, you know, in the program. T tell us what your, your motivation was and also how you did what you did, because they talk about you with such love and admiration and affection coach. And I'm not, I'm not even playing around. I'm not kidding at all. I mean, it's very serious. I mean, we had guys on here telling stories um, and it's really cool. I mean, it, it, it must make you feel good, right? Well, no question. I was, I was the fair cop. I never, BSed anybody. I told them exactly what it was. I was also the bad cap cop because I was the disciplinarian. And when I went in people's houses, you know, I tell the parents, I said, I can't promise Chuck is going to start. I can't promise he's going to be an All-American. I promise you that he will graduate. And I made it a thing of mine to make sure that people went to class. And if they didn't, they'd have to meet me and they didn't enjoy that at all because I killed them. And as a matter of fact, you talked about Tony Bruin before. Tony called me one day and we were talking, and I still keep in touch probably with 90% of the players that played oh, yeah. during 95. Great. Yeah. And Tony said, I never thanked you enough. I said, For what, Tony? He said, The only reason I graduated from Syracuse was because of you. I said, Why do you say that? He said, Of all the guys I went to high school with, I was the only one that graduated. And the only reason I graduated was because of you, because I missed class and you killed me. And you said, Tony, this is nothing. Wait till you see the next time you miss a class. So people say, Tony, come on, let's going to cut class and we're going to do something. And he think about it and he say, if Bernie finds out whatever, as much fun as we're going to have today, it's not going to be worth what Bernie's going to do to me. And it's true. I killed him if they miss class. Yeah, those dome, those dome steps were not too – they were pretty damn steep. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we were there not too long ago, and, and, you know, and I didn't have to run the steps. Thank God for that. Right, Sonny? Getting it, trying yeah. to get up those steps. <laughs> Holy cow. And the hills over there. I didn't realize the place is built on a mountain or a hill. It's, everything is – everything's on yep. a slant. Well, I just, just read online. It's a place on Euclid. I'm sure Sonny knows it. It's 100 and something steps straight up in the air. Remember that, Sonny? Did you run the steps? I think I Sean ran the steps. I ran the steps mostly in the dome. Okay. Well, I didn't was run them off and outside. <laughs> what are you saying, Sonny? You didn't go to class? Is that what you're telling us? I wasn't too concerned about Sonny. I mean, a lot of guys come in and are students. So I'd cut them a little slack. I didn't want to miss in class, but if they missed one, you know, every two months, I didn't go crazy. Well, you know, it, it's funny. It's funny, Byrne. We we had we had Coach Beheim on, and the first thing he says is, "I'll, I'll trade Sonny's cube for yours, Chuck." And he didn't even look at my transcript. He knew right away that I had no shot at keeping up with Doctor Sparrow. You know, <laughs> but it was fortunate. I mean, uh, Hal Cohn was a doctor, and Sonny's a dentist, and Sean Kerens is uh, the CEO of a huge company out in Colorado. Yeah. And Ross Kindle's an accountant, so we've we've had very successful people. Yeah, if it wasn't yeah. for Hal Cohen, I, I would have had a much tougher path. That's for sure. He was the he was the groundbreaker in that. So I, I'm going to ask you when you guys, I mean, our our goal every year was to kind of make it to the final four. The first final four you guys made it was '87, right? Correct. Talk about that experience. What was that like? 
<laughs> well, it was a phenomenal thing. And we, we really outplayed Indiana the whole game. We missed two one-on-ones in the yep. last and a half. And then Keith Smart hit that shot. And that's the most, that's probably the most televised game in the history of college basketball. That's been played eight times. And, you know, another, another thing, they had the three-point shot then. So Steve Alford hit seven threes. Yeah. I go to the final four every year and we're in the record book. I look at the records all the time. Most threes in the final four. Indiana against Syracuse, Steve Alford, seven. And in 1996, we played Kentucky in the final four. Yep. Tony Delk, it gets six or seven. And in 2003, we're in the final four again. And I'm going, damn, Jerry has six the first half. Jerry McNamara yeah. has six the first half. And I'm just saying, of course you want to win the game, but I'm saying, damn, we're finally going to get out of the record book. And then Jerry doesn't hit a three the second half. So it's still Steve Alford with seven. Man. Man. Yeah, it's, it, it's, it's tough at that point. We had, we had uh, Howard Trish on with uh, Keith Smart, and, he, and they talked about that whole sequence at the end of the game together. It was pretty interesting to hear both sides of it. And it was the first time that both of them spoke about it together. So it was kind of neat to uh, to hear that whole thing, that whole how that all. You know, you know what was cool, right? Eighty seven was played in the Superdome. Yep. Two thousand and three, when they won it, was in the Superdome. Yeah. We lost another one down in the Super. They're not a, an NCAA tournament game in the Superdome too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. So I'm going to ask you about a couple other players. And one guy, we did a show specifically on this one guy because, you know, Sonny was close with this guy. I, I was close even as an opponent. Um, I was close to him because of uh, he was from Brooklyn. And, uh, of course, we're talking about Pearl Washington. Talk about your relationship with Pearl and, and what he meant to the program when he came in. I didn't recruit Pearl. Brendan did. But we got really close and he was, you know, you'd see him on the court and he'd have such flair and everything, but that's not the way he was. He was one of the most down-to-earth people I ever met. And at the end, you know, whenever he came to Syracuse, after school, always came to my house. I spoke to him all the time. You know, the last few months of his life, I spoke to him every day. I called and I FaceTimed there every day. At the end, he couldn't talk. So I just try and show up. As a matter of fact, his, uh, his fiance, uh, Debbie, uh, yep. she texted me today oh, is I that kept, right? kept in touch with her but pearl was one of the nicest people i've ever met one of the most sincere people i've ever met he's spot on i mean that's that's a perfect description that's that's who he was yeah very humble guy too you know and uh and had time for everybody you know even uh definitely even guys that wore a different colored jersey you know and uh it was nice because we had his family on and, and uh, it was really it was really neat that we were able to do that you know no Pearl's story is he met some woman at a signing thing. She said, sign something, and he signed it for her. And she was really nice. So for some reason, they kept in touch. And she lived in Cortland. And every time Pearl came to Syracuse after his career was over, he always stopped at her house. And they remained friendly till the end. And she passed away a little before Pearl did. And Pearl was a pallbearer at her funeral. Wow. Didn't know that. that. Yeah. That's wild. Wow. Wow. Yeah, that's pretty good. 
Um, let me, so let now, me ask you this. Let ahead. me ask you a quick ahead. question, Bernie, because you mentioned Brendan a couple of times. You stay in touch with Brendan? I <laughs> I used to. I haven't spoken to Brendan in years. You know, we just went in kind of different directions. I like Brendan. I thought Brendan did a great job. We got along great. And he had a great career. He was in the NBA for, what, 10 years, 11 years, maybe even longer. Yeah. Yep. His son is coach of Denver, the Denver Nuggets now. Yep. Yep. I remember when he was, it was Rhode Island was the first job he took when he left, wasn't it? Yes. Yeah. I remember. I thought he'd be there a long time too. And then Wayne Morgan came in. That was um, yep. my senior then year. Yeah. Yeah. So talk about, let me ask you this now, as we, uh, as we got into the Big East tournament, right? Always competitive and uh, Georgetown games are always I'll never forget most of, of the events around the Georgetown games. What are some of your memories of things with uh, either the Big East tournaments or, you know, playing in the garden, spotlight, that kind of stuff? Well, I think if you spoke to players around the country, probably the number one place in the country to play would be Madison Square Garden. So we were very fortunate. I mean, Dave Gavitt did an incredible job. I mean, the Big East, and not to knock the ACC, it's a great conference. But we went from playing in Boston, New York City, Philadelphia, Washington, to playing in Winston-Salem, North Carolina, Clemson, South Carolina, Tallahassee, Florida. We absolutely have no fan base. And you weren't playing in the really big arenas. They're great programs, not to knock anything. They're great programs. They have great coaches. But the Big East was special. And, you know, I think the college presidents and the NCAA – you know, we care about the integrity of the student athlete. I don't believe it at all. It all comes down to how much money they're going to make. And you look what's going on now with UCLA and USC going to the Big Ten. And it changes all the time. It's all about money. These people can say whatever they want. The bottom line is it's about money. And that's what they care about. Not one doubt on the planet on that statement. So Sonny mentioned the Georgetown Syracuse rivalry. Talk about some of your favorite memories from that. I mean, you were there for the basically the whole thing. I mean, from, from Patrick big, swinging at Pearl. Yeah, from yeah. Big John Michael making swinging at about Manly being closed and everything. <laughs> I, I mean, I got along with John Thompson. I liked John Thompson. I thought he was a good guy and I liked him and I always got along with him. We'd always joke around before the games. But he, he would try and intimidate you and get the upper hand. You know, no doubt about it. And sometimes oh, yeah. he did. But he was a good coach and a good guy. Yeah, his his players say the same thing. It was a little bit of a tough love situation with those guys. It wasn't uh, the warm and fuzzy Italian feelings that we got from uh, Coach Mass at times. You know, it, you know, those guys had it tough. And, and you don't really realize until you read his book and find out what he went through and, uh, to see why he did what he did with the Hoya paranoia and stuff. But it it's been a lot of fun uh, getting to talk with those guys and hearing their side of the rivalry, you know, but uh, anytime, anytime Syracuse stepped on the floor with Georgetown, you had to be ready for anything, right? Well, no question. They were physical games. I mean, I thought the big East was a lot more physical back then. You went through the lane, you were going to get punched. And the one year, I believe the year that you guys won it, weren't three of the final four teams, Georgetown, Syracuse, and St. John's. I mean, yeah. excuse me. Georgetown, Villanova, and St. John's. Yeah. Memphis, yeah. Boston College. Memphis beat Boston College in a really close game. Otherwise, the it, was four, 
there would have been four Big East teams in the Final Four. Yeah, incredible. Yeah, pretty I good mean, memory right there, huh, Chuck? Yeah, the Big East. The Big East at that time was in the heyday. I mean, that was we. Sonny and I are both fortunate to play pretty much in the same the same time. I mean, and that's when the Big East was really the Big East. We and that's what the premise was of doing this whole thing was to talk about those times and the guys that played. And as we you know, and as we get through it, we start to move up towards current day, but. Back then, I think if you talk to anybody of a certain age, they could they would all tell you that that's when you know the Big East was really the Big East at that at that point. But what happened also, that was the start of ESPN. Yep. And it was great. So we got a contract with ESPN. So we wound up as the most televised conference in the country, and we were televised all over the country. So from a recruiting standpoint, we really could get a chance with almost any player in the country is they saw us playing all the time on TV. So it was really beneficial. Speaking of yeah. TV, Bernie, do you have, what are your memories of the six overtime UConn game in the, in the, in the Madison Square Garden? Oh, I remember it distinctly. Because not only that game, but the next night we played, and that was another overtime game. Right. Yeah. We played Louisville in the finals. And our guys were just exhausted. And we were there. We were right there until the end of the game. Eric Devendorf hit a shot at the buzzer <laughs> of regulation. And I mean, they showed it. The ball was touching his fingernail when the clock went off. It was a fraction of a second and the game was over and we had won. We were down most of the game. We came back right at the end. And then the overtimes were crazy because I don't know how many guys, I think there were like 50 fouls called during that game. Okay? We, we put walk-ons and we had no more scholarship players. It was a remarkable game, and it went on till one something in the morning. It yeah. was a for either team to lose, but I'm kind of glad that Connecticut lost it. <laughs> you know something, Chuck? I'm going to say this because some guys have transferred out of Syracuse, right? Not everybody stays, but everybody has stayed in touch with Bernie for the most part. Well, I got to be. I speak to all, just about all the people that transfer. Yep. And I speak to Mike Sheehy all the time. Remember George Papadakis? George. I was just sure. going to say, George. Big guy. What happened was George transferred. I wanted to redshirt George. And Coach right. Bayon, no. And I said, we need to redshirt him because Ronnie was there. And he wasn't going to play ahead of Ronnie. And he was, I thought he was going to be pretty good, but he was pretty skinny. So we didn't redshirt him his first year. <laughs> and then the second year, I said something again. And Coach Bayon said, no, no, his father would really be upset. So we, had an exhibition game against Brazil. And then the rules were different then. So George played a few minutes in the exhibition game. And then after the game, <laughs> George came into my office and said, Coach, I think it would be a good idea for me to redshirt. And I was ready to shoot him because the way the rule was then, because he played one minute in the exhibition game, we couldn't redshirt him. Wow. So we wanted to play that much. And he would have played after Ronnie left. But then he decided to transfer to Michigan State. But to take it forward, I kept in George all the time, in touch with George all the time. And he played in Greece for 10 years, played professionally in Greece. And then he moved back to Toronto when he was working and we would speak. And then they, because of COVID, they did away with sports in Toronto. So George called and said, I'm sending my family to Florida. So his son's 6'8" and played basketball, and his daughter was a good volleyball player. So George moved his wife and his two kids to Florida 
so they could play. And then I got him into school. I had got Dale an assistant coaching job at Cardinal Gibbons down here. So I sent them to Cardinal Gibbons and he played at that school. And, you know, I worked them out an awful lot and he just graduated and he's going to prep school for a year now. Wow. Yep. So last question, coach, and we'll, we'll, we'll let you go. It's, we're getting up against it a little bit. So, you know, talk about what it means to you to have the relationships that you have still to this day. I mean, you've been at the school since 1963 is when you walked in the doors. Right. And, you know, you've, you've come across hundreds of athletes, you know, basketball players and the relationships you've built. Would you say that that was the most important thing to you as, as a coach? And what does that mean to you to have the relationships even to this day with those guys? That, to me, that's the most important thing is building relationships. I've got one quick story. I mean, okay. I, I was hard on players. I mean, I was really hard on players. You know, they'd come to my house all the time and they'd have something to eat and I treated them great. When they stepped on the courts, it was business and you better work. I killed Ronnie Cycli. When I tell you I killed Ronnie Cycli, I was harder on him than any player ever. Brutal. You know, we do things off the court. We got along great. As soon as he stepped on the court, I was brutal. And I've always stayed in touch. And, you know, he lives in Florida and I'm in Florida and I see him from time to time and we speak. And I was at his house one day and I said, Ronnie, I've got to be honest with you. If I had one thing in my life to change, I wouldn't have been as hard on you as I was. And he said, don't ever say that to me again. Really? I got to the point in my career where I did because of what you did to me. He said, and I appreciate everything. Don't ever tell me that again, because I wouldn't have made the money or been as successful if you didn't just kill him on the court. And I, I'm telling you, I killed him on the course. That's, that's got to be the girl to you. I mean, that's got to be awesome, right? I, mean, I got to add one thing that we didn't touch on. Bernie has set up, <clears throat> there's multiple scholarships that are because of Bernie. I think Bernie has his own scholarship at Syracuse. And I think he set up the Conrad McRae Memorial Scholarship. Am I right, Burr? Well, we're involved with that. And Sonny, you were a fraternity brother of mine, too. Yep. And we had Bernie Davis Scholarship. And we, had, we started a lot of scholarships at the school. But, yeah, there's one in my name. There's one in Conrad's name. But there's a lot of scholarships that you try and give back to the school. You know? Yep. It just, well, it, just it, it, it goes to who you are. I mean, that's just it's one more point to who Bernie is and, and the guys that, that know him, know him. And, and it's just a fact. So it's well, a I coached, well, I coached high school over 50 years ago. And I still speak to most of the kids that played for me in high school. That's Lonnie Leggett, right? I speak to Lonnie. I got Lonnie a job. I sent him to college. I got mm -hmm. him a job with uh, General Motors and he was there till he retired a couple of years ago. Hey, I was the one who recruited Felicia Leggett. Mm -hmm. Felicia now, wasn't right. in Felicia wasn't interested in Syracuse and Barbara Jacobs, who was the women's coach said, would you do us a favor do me a favor and try and help with Felicia. And I was really close with the family. Yep. yep. I said, sure. So I met with Barbara and the mother, Mrs. Leggett and, and Felicia, and she decided to go to Syracuse and had a great career. And uh, now she's the new pretty well. and I think she'll do a phenomenal job. Yeah. Hey, Ron, Ronnie just got an award from the urban uh, uh, league up there too. So it was pretty nice. He just got that last weekend. That's nice. Yep. Well, what a great way to, to wrap up a fun show. Coach, thank you so much for joining us. We appreciate your time. 
and uh, we're always good to talk to you. Uh, it's been too long, and uh, thanks for hanging with us for a little bit today. <coughs> it's good to reminisce. If you ever make it to Florida, Chuck, let me know. I'd love to see you. Uh, will do. Absolutely. Stick I can vouch for it, Chuck. Yeah. He's, he's, good, he's a good host. Yes, Sonny. Stick around for a few minutes. He's if a good you host. <laughs> the Big East Rewind was brought to you by, or was directed by, wasn't brought to you by anybody yet, because we're not to that point yet, Sonny. But uh, <laughs> but it was directed and Freudian produced story. by Nick Chico Chorus and Daryl Gurney. And you can catch us on all things social media by putting in Big East Rewind. Go check out all of our 64 videos on uh, YouTube by putting Big East Rewind in the search bar. And we ask you to uh, like it, subscribe, and share it with your friends. Thanks a lot for joining us. Have a great night. Have a good one, folks. Thank you.